Hello and welcome to the Crowdfunding Champions podcast. I'm Rob Wilson and my guest today is Yuma Cabrusta, Chief of Staff at Cowboy, the micro-mobility company that has raised over 7 million euros across two campaigns on Crowdcube. Yumika, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Rob. Great to be here. For those who aren't familiar with Cowboy, would you be able to give us a quick overview of the business and your role within it? We're a Belgium-born e-bike company, electric bikes. Our mission is really to create this kind of fully integrated cycling experience. So we put a lot of thought and care into, obviously, the design of the bike itself. That's really kind of one of our differentiating factors, if you've had a look at our website. But it's a lot more than that as well. We focus on the connectivity elements of the bike. So we've got our own app that really helps act as kind of your rider companion. So, you know, connecting you to fellow riders and helping you navigate through the city with maps. But we also have additional services as part of the package to kind of give you complete peace of mind. So theft insurance, maintenance plans. So it's really developing this whole ecosystem around the biking experience. The vast majority of our sales are done through cowboy.com and we deliver to the majority of Europe, but we also launched in the US last year. We've got a few physical stores. So Brussels, obviously, is our HQ, but we've also opened up in Berlin earlier this year, and we're actually going to be opening a store in Paris too. Watch this space. In terms of my role, I'm the chief of staff at Cowboy. I think it's quite a new role in the world of tech startups and scale-ups. I feel like for me, at least, it's a twofolded role. One is the internal operations of the business, things like goal setting, investor relations, and those kind of projects. And then you have the other side, which is more on the commercial side of the business. So for example, the US launch, managing the crowdfunding campaign, which I'm sure we'll get into. And those kind of projects. It's quite a versatile role. Different companies, it's, it means slightly different things. Essentially, you're providing this like non-functionally biased perspective on an issue or a project and then seeing it through. According to Crunchbase, you've raised over $130 million to date. Would you be able to just talk us through your funding journey? We've been really fortunate. We've had some excellent backers to date. We had a pre-seed round that was done with the Hardware Club, followed by our seed round led by Index Ventures, a Series A with Tiger Global. Our Series B was led by Exor Seeds, and our most recent Series C fundraise was led by CM Capital and HCVC Hardware Club and Exor, with our existing investors participating kind of in each of those rounds. So it's really been great to get diversity of of people involved and the expertise from their side. But yeah, we also ran a crowdfunding campaign back in 2019. And then we did our our second public round earlier this year, just after our Series C. Yeah, that's our journey so far. You mentioned some really high profile investors there. So the likes of Index Ventures and Tiger Global as well. What's been their opinion of crowdfunding? We've actually had a great response from our investors. In fact, I think it was Martin from Index who originally suggested that we made room for the community back in our 2019 fundraise. So they've been super supportive. I mean, 
Martin and Sita from CM Capital, they both participated in the crowdfunding videos. We've had a lot of support from them. You launched your first campaign in 2019, raising over four and a half million euros. What attracted you to crowdfunding? It's a good question. So I actually wasn't at Cowboy back in 2019, but we were at a much earlier stage in our development. So the company was born in 2017. So yeah, it was about two, three years old then. It was definitely a mixture of reasons. So capital, of course, but I think it's also a playing into that brand awareness, getting those first loyal customers on board, really trying to build that sense of community that I think is so important as a First of all, as a direct-to-consumer product, second as an e-commerce, most of our sales from our website, but also just being a cycling company and really trying to develop that sense of community. I think that was what really attracted us originally. And then we come back a few years later and our Series C was sizable. It was $80 million. So there's clearly more than just capital that you're looking for when you're raising crowdfunding. And it is that brand building, community building marketing kind of element as well. Just touching upon that, I mean, aside from capital, how has the company benefited from that community? I think that's exactly it. It is that sense of community and and bringing them on board that journey. I think a customer buying your product is one thing, like they're exchanging money for an item, but actually putting your money down as in an investment capacity I mean, that's something completely different because now that person has skin in the game. They're really part of, bought into your business rather than just buying into the product that you're producing. So I think for our perspective, it's a testament to their belief in your business model, their belief in the product that you've produced. It's a way for them to learn a little bit more about us if they don't have a bike. But it's also a way for people who do have a bike to feel like they can impact what your roadmap will look like or just have like the insider scoop and have a more direct relationship with the company. So I think that's something that we've really appreciated to the early days, bring on those evangelists, but but even now just broadening our community group. And these investors, they have so much passion and they'll often give us like really detailed feedback about what they like. So we really know where to focus our efforts on or constructive ways on thinking what we could be looking at in the future. A lot of new ideas come from them as well. I think that it's that alignment of incentives from your customer and the investor base and the business. Like The more you can align those incentives, I think the better business and the better product that you can actually build. So we found that to be a really positive avenue. What does that engagement typically look like? So we have semi-annual updates. So we run it every half year. And they're obviously that dialogue on the crowdfunding Crowdcube campaign website as well, where they can have discussions. We have an inbox for them so that we have that management, that relationship as well. So we have the more formal updates, but there's also that ad hoc relationship management that we want as well. You recently closed your second Crowdcube campaign, raising over 2.7 million euros. And this was part of your Series C fundraise. Would you be able to tell us a little bit more about that? As you say, we did our Series C. We actually closed that in January of this year. And we knew that we wanted to explore another crowdfunding campaign after, after the first successful campaign in 2019. 
a lot of our investors had said that they want another opportunity to top up their investment. Also, a lot of new people, we've launched the C4 last year, our newest model, they wanted to get involved from an investment perspective. So we kind of thought this would be a good opportunity to reopen that avenue. So we launched the campaign in March. It was quite a quick process, to be honest. You start off with a tease phase, which is essentially reaching out to our customer base, our network, letting them know that our campaign will be live soon and they can get kind of priority access. And then we had like one day where those investors could participate before it went live for the public. And then we had about a week and a half to to actually do the public campaign. So we'd set, I guess, relatively arbitrary target of 1 million euros. We hit that in a couple of hours. That's why we kind of kept it as a only a week and a half. I know sometimes they can they can run much longer. So it was all start to finish within one month in March. Wow, very efficient. So let's dive dive into that. So in terms of the target that you set, what was the expectations? And did you have any indication when you started reaching out to your customers as to how much would likely come through an investment? Yeah, so we had kind of started a tease to say after our Series C that if you want to be part of the crowdfunding uh, round, pledge your interest and sign up for notifications on when it's actually going live. We had lots of people putting their interest down and kind of giving an indication of how much investment they would make. We had a rough idea. I mean, you obviously take that with a pinch of salt because it's easy to say you're going to invest 10K and the reality might be different. But we saw that we were going to have momentum and we had a lot of people already interested. And that's not even the actual Crowdcube platforms, like their investor base or their email base. So this was just Cowboys newsletters and our customer base, really. So I think that's what's quite interesting about it is that a lot of it comes from your own network and your own group of people. And then you have the additional Crowdcube public as well. But obviously, you have less of an idea about how much they'll invest. Just on that point, do you have any indication as to how much the investment came from the Crowdcube investors versus your own community? I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but it was definitely a large majority was our own network and our own base. So that drove the vast majority. I think Crowdcube's also got a much more English or British focus. Their audience is predominantly in the UK, which is one of our markets, but it's not our main market. So it was great to have the diversity of geographies as well that kind of opened it up a little bit more for us. Just diving into the rewards for the latest campaign that you had, I seem to remember some really interesting rewards, such as you're getting the name on your wall and going all the way up to offering a free bike. Could you tell us a little bit more about the rewards and how you structured that and how you decided on what to offer investors? Yes. So I think the rewards, it's always a, a fun little exercise to think about what's meaningful and, and what can maybe push you over the edge of going into the next investment tier, but also still quite engaging and fun. It was the investor wall. We're actually freeing up some wall space in our HQ to put a placard up. We had that and then we had a free kickstand and rear rack. So that was on the earliest side of it. We had a discount. 
also an early bird access. So they'll get priority access to our new models. They'll get to put their name down kind of earlier. We did have a free bike at the 10K mark and then a limited edition bike at the 20K mark. So we did have quite a few investors opting in for that limited edition bike. It's going to be a really, really cool new color that we know no cowboy's been that color before. So uh, we're actually in the process of validating that and having our industrial design team sign off that new color. I think it was also a way for us to experiment with that and see what the reaction of those investors will be when they receive it. And I think make them feel a little bit extra special because obviously 20K is not negligible. But hopefully, I'm sure these investors will be you know, raving about the bike they receive and, and sharing it on social media and telling all their friends. So hopefully, it'll come back and, and be really, really beneficial. Yeah, exactly. And I think that is also part of it. It's really getting people involved in that community. And they'd already placed a bike order. You know, it wasn't that they were going to get two. So we made sure that everybody was able to kind of cater to their own circumstance. Do you think it was beneficial in terms of persuading uh, certain investors to invest slightly more if they were perhaps on the fence about investing a certain amount and they see the rewards and think, okay, great, if I invest a little bit more, then I have the opportunity to receive a bike, for example? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you look at the graph of investors, you definitely see huge clumps around the bucket where the next tier is. So I think you have to think a little bit about what's the right reward to offer at the right level. But, you know, ultimately, I think you're not investing for the reward. It might make the difference between investing 8K and 10K, but it's not going to make the difference of investing at all in the first place. At least it shouldn't be in the grand scheme of your financial investment decision-making process. But yeah, you definitely see kind of clusters around the reward tiers. In terms of the, the overall campaign, is that all managed in-house or do you rely on any external port services? We did manage it in-house apart from the video production. I'm sure you know this, but the campaign video is by far the most important asset in the marketing materials that you produce. It's also the one that takes the most time and the most resources to prepare. So yeah, we had a director, actually the same director who did our 2019 campaign. He came back on board. He knows us. He knows what we're looking for in the process. And we also used some of the spring campaign footage. So we just launched our spring campaign just uh, at the same time. So we wanted to really show that creative video as well. So it was kind of a mixture of that and also interviews with the team and our investors. That element was run by a director and his crew, but the rest was all managed in-house. So predominantly myself, Mattia and the marketing team, and also customer support as we need their ability to react quickly to the investor queries and things like that, but also on the finance side, making sure all of our legal documentations in the right place as well. On the investor queries, I know from previous interviews that this can be fairly time consuming. How did you go about managing the investor questions that came through during the campaign? Yes, you're absolutely spot on. It is probably the most time consuming part is really allocating that resource. One thing we made quite clear at the start was just freeing up capacity from the team so that they knew that this was coming and it was going to be probably quite a big time commitment. But it was also leveraging Crowdcube's prior knowledge of what kind of questions come up, 
So they had a, an FAQ template of things that people might be asking. So we could already prepare those from our previous experience, thinking what did those investors ask and also trying to make it a bit topical because you know the world has changed quite a lot. So things like COVID and supply chain and you know those typical questions that I think is kind of top of mind for a lot of people. So trying to prepare as much as possible those more, I guess, template answers so that people could almost self-serve and also training the team on all of the nuances. Um, There are certain technical details because the way that it's structured with Crowdcube is that each person actually owns a beneficial interest right rather than a share. So that way they're part of a of crowd. They're not on our cap table, essentially. Otherwise, we'd have thousands and thousands of people on our cap table. So it's small nuances that we just need to make sure everybody's on the same page and saying the same thing so that there's no confusion. Were there any sensitive questions that were asked on this campaign or previous campaign that you weren't willing to answer? There is always that tricky balance between public information and private information. So By doing a crowdfunding campaign, you do give away something maybe more than you would normally give. And that we made that conscious decision because people are making an investment. You do want to share a certain level of detail, but you're also quite aware that your competitors and investors and other people, or not your own investors, are looking at that information. So you do need to be mindful about not giving away additional things that are maybe a bit more sensitive. It was funny, actually, on our call, crowd investor call. So it was one of the calls we did beforehand with the team to just answer a roundtable with uh, the Crowdcube team. We had some people who were pretending to be cowboy employees asking very weird questions, let's say. And so we had clearly this was a competitor or, or some bad actor pretending that they were us. So it does happen. And that's why I think we needed to be a little bit careful. What would you say was the most challenging part of running your campaign? I do think it is that resource allocation question, because with so many things going on, spring is also the beginning of the season for us. We had our spring campaign. We've got loads of things going on. I think it's just balancing the time required and how much information you want to share and getting all of the resources and the materials ready so that you can deliver a great pitch. So yeah, it's always just a time issue, I think. You've launched both of your campaigns on Crowdcube. What's been your experience of working with the platform and were there any other platforms that you were considering for this campaign or your previous campaign? I think because we'd gone with Crowdcube in 2019, it made sense to continue with them. I think the two main ones are obviously Crowdcube and Cedars. And so, yeah, it made sense for us to continue with them. They've got a great geographical reach, uh, also kind of covered the UK base, as I mentioned, that we don't have as big a following in. Yeah, it made sense to continue with them. Do you see yourself continuing to launch crowdfunding campaigns? Yes, definitely. I think coming back to those points about building that community It's something that we've really enjoyed being able to interact with them and get that feedback and build that sense of community. And to some extent, as long as there's appetite from them to invest in us, we want to be able to give them the opportunity to do so and be part of the journey. In the app, you also get a badge, an investor badge. And so I think there is that element of 
we really want to engage with them and make them feel like they're part of the journey. So for sure, I think we'll do it again. What would you say would be your top tips to other entrepreneurs that might be thinking about crowdfunding? Really, you need to think about whether it makes sense for your business. I think that would be my first question. I think it definitely lends itself well to that direct-to-consumer type of brand that you've got an audience that are engaged and wanting to be part of it. So I think that's one element. And if that's the right thing for you, then yeah, as much as possible, preparing all of those questions in advance, thinking about what you would want to know as an investor and thinking about what updates you can give to them during the process. Having all of those FAQs, the team is ready to be able to answer quickly. But yeah, just being prepared. Yumika, where can we find out more about Cowboy? You can find out all about us on cowboy.com. You'll see our website and uh, you can also find out updates from our LinkedIn page for new updates and press releases and things like that. Yumika, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Rob. Have a good one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more advice, head over to crowdfundingchampions.com and be sure to subscribe for the latest interviews. 